Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm A.J. Hogue, the author of Effortless English. Learn to speak English like a native. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Become a VIP member at EffortlessEnglishClub.com and speak English fluently, powerfully, confidently, persuasively at an advanced level. That's my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Live again on Facebook. Sunday night. Our topic is a video from John Taylor Gatto. Yesterday, somebody asked me, you know, what's the next book? What's our next book club book? After we finish Robert Kiyosaki's book, we, we still have one more month with Robert Kiyosaki's book, but what's the next one after that? And the next one after that is Dumbing Us Down. Dumbing Us Down is the name of the book. And the author, the writer is John Taylor Gatto. I thought I'd introduce Mr. Gatto to you today. John Taylor Gatto. So we're going to listen to a short little interview from Mr. Gatto. A few little clips from him and then we'll discuss his ideas. John Taylor Gatto was a teacher. He was a, I believe he was a middle school teacher. Yeah, he taught for almost 30 years. He was a middle school teacher, so a very long time. So he was teaching in public schools, in the public school system. He was teacher of the year in his state. So, you know, everyone said he was a really wonderful teacher, a great teacher. But... While doing this job, he saw the truth about schools. He saw the truth about schools and how evil they were, how terrible the whole system was. And so he started to write books that are very, 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 very critical, meaning criticizing the schools and the school system. Dumbing Us Down is one of his classic books. It's a really fantastic look at the education system we now have around the world and why it is so horrible. So, everyone saying hello. Hello to you too. Lots of people saying hi on Facebook. Live on Facebook. So let's get to it and listen to a little bit of Mr. John Taylor Gatto. I'm going to just, I'll play like a, a sentence, uh, maybe one or two sentences, and then I'll pause and then I'll talk about it. And I'll, just to help you understand it a little better. Here we go. So this is Mr. John Taylor Gatto. Here we go. Listen carefully. Schooling is a form of adoption. You give your kid away at his most or his or her most in plastic ears. Uh-huh. So right from the beginning, with a very strong statement. To a group of strangers, you accept a promise. 
Okay, so. Let's just talk about that part first. Schooling is a form of adoption. Now that's a strong sentence, a strong statement. Schooling is a form of adoption. You give your child away, you give away your own child to strangers, a group of strangers, people you don't know. And it's at their, you're doing this at the, at their most important years. You're doing this with your child at, during their most important years, when they're the most open, when they are learning everything about their life, when they're learning their most important beliefs, when they're learning, um, you know, their values, what's most important in life and how to live. And you're just giving your children away to these strangers for them to teach your kids instead of you. Let's go back here and listen to some more. Sometimes stated and more often implied that the state, to its agents, knows better how to raise your children and educate them than you, your neighbors, your grandparents, your, 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 your local traditions do. So he's saying you're doing this, you're giving away your child to these strangers, the government or other strangers, with the idea in your head, the promise, the idea in your head that they know better than you do that they know better how to raise your child, that they know better what's important for your child than you do, your own child. You're trusting these strangers to know better than you, to care more than you, which is crazy. And that your kid will be better off so adopted by the time... And your kid, your child will be better off, will have a better life, will be better being raised by these strangers than by you. When the child returns to the family. By the time the child returns to the family. Or has the option of doing that. Very few want to. Very few want to. So he's saying the schools, over time, the schools create a wall between children and their parents. Their parents are some form of friendly stranger too. And one because they spend their, you know, the middle of their day, these children, from a very young age, they go off to school with, you know, other kids and these strangers, these teachers and other people. And they do this for years and years and years, so it's no surprise that when they, you know, say they, around the time they become teenagers, that they start to look at their parents as strangers. They see their parents as kind of friendly strangers. I mean, of course, not completely strangers, but they're not close to their parents anymore. They're actually more close to the school and the whole school system. And it creates a break between in, inside of families. It breaks the children away from their connection with their own parents. That's what you're doing when you send your child to school. You are going to, you're destroying your family or you're weakening your family. Why not? In the key hours of growing up, strangers have reared the kid. Now in the key hours of growing up, right? The important hours of growing up, and 
the most of the day, right? Monday to Friday, most of the day. Who is the kid with? Parents or these strangers in the school system? Well, in the school system. So during their most important times, right? Most of the daytime, Monday to Friday, the largest amount of time is actually spent at school. And if you really look at it, if you count the hours that most children spend at school, and then how many hours are they actually, you know, really connecting with their parents? For most kids, it's the same, or it's actually more hours at the school. So the school has more influence on your child than you do. Let's look at the strangers of which you were one and I was one. So he says, okay, now let's look at these strangers. Let's look at the teachers. And he's saying, I was, a t I was one of these people, a teacher, one of these people raising your kids and the interviewer, I guess, also. Regardless of our good feeling toward children, regardless of our individual talents or intelligence, we have so little time each day with each of these kids. Okay, and then I think we're going to stop there. He says, and because he, he makes a really good point, because he says, regardless, regardless of, I mean, it doesn't matter how much we care as a teacher. Even if you care a lot, it doesn't matter. Some teachers don't care. There's some really mean teachers. There's some bad teachers. But he says, even if, even if the teacher cares so much, really cares, and even if the teacher is very, very, very intelligent, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because the teacher does not have enough time with each child. Because the way the system is created, there's, the teacher has a big class of kids. And it is completely impossible for the teacher to individually teach each child the way that child needs. It is impossible for the teacher to tailor, to fit their teaching to what each kid needs. They can't do it. They don't have enough time. There's too many kids. There's only one teacher. It's impossible. So what do they do? They just use the textbooks. They use the factory system of education. All the kids get the same thing. And it doesn't matter if some kids are, are having a tough time, if it's not good for other kids. It doesn't matter. So he's saying it's the system is is bad and it doesn't matter if individual teachers are nice or not or care or not and I completely agree with him. And that's why I'm playing this now and we're going to get it when we of course when we do dumbing us down in our next book club we're going to talk about this a lot but this he's 100% right. 100% right. This is why I say the schools schools are evil. They're evil. Does that mean every single individual teacher is evil? No. Like he said, there is possible for a teacher to really, really care and to be very intelligent, but it doesn't matter because the system is evil and therefore there's no way even a good teacher, even him, he's, you know, he's admitting himself. He's confessing, right? He was a really good, he's a really good person. You can tell reading his books and listening to him. He really, really cared very much, deeply cared about kids. And he's also, you can tell, he's, you can, you can see that he's very intelligent, but he's saying that it doesn't matter. I was in an evil system. 
And I saw the evil of the system and there was nothing I could do about it. Now, just imagine this. This is somebody who really cares, who's very intelligent. I'm telling you now, most teachers are not very intelligent and most teachers do not care that much. Some do. You know, a few. He was teacher of the year for his whole state. So he really, really, really cared a lot. But, you know, most don't care that much. The average teacher eh, cares some, but it's a job, okay? And there are a lot of teachers who really don't care at all. And there are a few who are really mean, terrible, horrible people. Well, guess what you're doing when you send your child to school? You're just gambling. You're just gambling. Because the school decides which class your kid goes to. Maybe your kid goes to the really great teacher who cares, like Gato. Although still, the system's bad. So even with the great teacher, it's, it's still a bad system. Or maybe, oh, you get your kid gets bad luck one year and gets into the class with a terrible, mean, awful, bad person. And of course, over their childhood, probably they, you know, they might have one year they get a great teacher and then another year they get a really terrible, mean one. And a lot of years they just get average, kind of so-so. But none of that, you know, well, a, a, an evil, terrible teacher can really hurt your child so much, cause so much damage, emotional pain that will be a problem for them for years and years and years and years and years. And you're gambling when you send your child to school that that might happen. But even if you're super lucky and your child has all, all good teachers, it's still, it's still a bad system. It's still, a, you know, we say inherently, it means it's naturally, There's, you can't change its nature. The nature of the system itself is bad and harmful. And, you know, the just, I mean, it's basically what he said at the beginning. You are giving your child away to other people that you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. You don't know these people. You don't know them. You know nothing about them. I mean, if you're lucky, you go, you meet their, the teacher, what, a couple times a year? You go meet them at the beginning of the year. That's not enough. You, you can't know anything about a person, right? You don't know what, what do they believe? What, what, what kind of person are they? Are they a good person, a bad person? You don't know. You can read the news to see all the crazy stuff that the schools and teachers are teaching children now. Some pretty horrible, evil stuff. So, if you just think about it for just a few minutes, you realize you care more about your child than anyone else, right? As a parent, once if, if you're not a parent, you will, okay? Just trust me, you will. You will, no one is going to love your child more than you. No one is going to care more than you. No one is better as a teacher than you for your own children. You are the best teacher for your children. The schools are not going to teach them how to be a happy person, how to be a good person. Not going to teach them about financial freedom, another important topic. Not going to teach them about morality. Schools aren't going to teach any of that. In fact, Many times they teach immorality, the opposite of morality. So 
I 100% agree with him. This is why I am so strong about such a strong, I say proponent means I, I, I defend, I support homeschooling so much. You need to teach your own children. Teach your own children. I 100% agree with Mr. Gatto, and I'm looking forward to that book, the next book. So it'll be another big change. Our first book was Political, Animal Farm. This book is Financial, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the next book will be about education. John Taylor Gatto's Dumbing Us Down. Dumbing Us Down. You can go ahead and get the book now and start reading it if you want to. If you finished Rich Dad already, we'll be continuing Rich Dad every weekend until we finish the book. But I think we have about one more month, about four more lessons, four more chapters of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then we'll change over to Dumbing Us Down. I also recommend uh, John Taylor Gatto has several, quite long actually, quite long interviews on YouTube. So you can listen to him. Uh, you can try, see if, see if you understand him, see if you can understand his vocabulary. He speaks slowly, but his vocabulary can be a little tough sometimes. Okay, so we're going to probably, it's Sunday, it's Sunday night. I had a long day today. I was, uh, we went to my in-laws. In-laws are the parents of your husband or wife. So my wife's parents. And we went with my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, and my, my nephew that, all of you audio podcast members know about my nephew. So we had kind of a, a fun day. I was playing with him all day, so a little bit tired. <laughs> it was very hot today again in Japan. And we but we splashed around in the pool. So my nephew and I played in the pool and splashed around in the pool. So a little bit short, so we'll go straight to questions and comments now. I'll do some questions and comments, have a little chat, just going to be casual today, tonight, and then we'll be done. So a little bit shorter. Let me go to the comments and questions. Comments and questions. So while I'm talking, most people are just saying hi from lots of different countries. Fernanda from Brazil. Myanmar, Philippines, Brazil, lots of Brazilians, Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Wow, lots of Brazil. This must be a good time in Brazil right now. Weekend, I guess. Yes, yeah, Brazil. Natanel. 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 So, Team Brazil. So, Hasina says in school they expect so much from students but they don't think about what students want they are controlling us like robots well exactly that's exactly right why do they do that because it's a factory they view you they look at you as robots that's exactly right little robots to program they don't look at you as human beings each with your own interests each with your own skills each with your own challenges no, it, you're, it's a big factory, right? Each class is, a, is like a, a batch in a factory. They've got 30 of you or 40 of you or 50 of you or 20 of you or 10 of you. It doesn't matter. There's just a, little, a group of you and they're just going to push all the same stuff on you. And they don't care if, if, you're, if it's hard or easy. And they don't care if you're interested in it. I saw a good quote. I can't remember. Oh, who said it? I can't remember the, who said it. But... 
basically, it might have been Mr. Gatto here, it, but it, I think it was someone else actually. But the idea of the quote is this, that to force, you know, a child who wants to build things, to force them to sit and listen to poetry in an English class is child abuse. And the opposite is also child abuse. To force a child who wants to listen to and write poetry to, you know, do, do an engineering class is also a kind of child abuse. And I agree. I mean, you know, I think that we have some basic skills that need to be taught and learned by children. We all understand that basic math and but it's, it's really simple. Basic math and reading and, you know, the, your, his, your own history and culture. After that, it really depends on each child's interests and strengths and weaknesses. But they don't care. Asina, you're 100% right. They don't care because it's just a factory and they're just going to push you through like a, like a car being built in a factory. Hey, here's one from a homeschooler. Fantastic. Let's read this. I'm homeschooling my little one already and people are amazed with the things she can do. She's four years old. I love doing that. From Nora. Absolutely. This is the thing about homeschooling. The, you know, just think about it. It's just, it's very, very, very easy to understand why homeschooling is much more powerful, much more effective. It's simple. It's just... I mean, number one, you care more. Okay, so that's obvious. You care more about your own child. I hope so. <laughs> but of course you do. You care more. You love your child. The teacher doesn't love your child. Okay? You're lucky if the teacher even likes your child. Because believe me, every teacher has certain kids they like and certain kids they don't like. But... As the parent, you love your child. So immediately, you're, you're going to give your child so much more attention, so much more energy, so much more patience, so much more effort as a teacher. Because it's your child. You are the parent. You love them, of course. The stranger at the school, not so much. Not really. The second thing is just an obvious thing with time. Even if you, even if you have a huge family, let's say you've got a big family, you've got six kids. That's pretty big now, right? Most people, it's more like one or two or three. But let's say even if you have six children, well, even then, if, and there's just one parent, one parent's working, so the other parent's homeschooling. So even then, it's one adult who loves them deeply as a parent teaching six children. What school now has one teacher for every six children? You're not going to find a school like that unless you pay a huge amount of money. So, obviously, once again, if you just look at it logically from, uh, you know, from the view of time, just from the view of time, your child's getting so much more of your individual one-on-one -on -one attention as a homeschooler. As a homeschool teacher, you can give so much more time and individual attention. So, even if you have six kids... Most people don't. If you're more, like got more of the average family size of one to three kids, then it's very easy for you to individually help each kid. So if one child 
is for some reason is struggling with learning how to subtract in math, well, you can give them a lot of extra focus with that. You don't have to move them quickly to the next lesson. You can spend extra time and just slow down and let them focus on that for a while. Or maybe you skip over that and then come back to it later. But anyway, you can do whatever you think is necessary to help them to deal with their individual interests and problems and all of that. So, man, it's and this is why in in terms of test taking and gray, you know, the the the, the like the big test, like the SAT, for example, homeschool kids do much better. They perform better. They get higher test scores, even on those boring, stupid tests. But beyond the boring, stupid tests, homeschool kids just perform much better in real life, in the real world, because they're just, they're much better educated. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Homeschool kids are much better educated. Okay. Um, oh, that's kind of an interesting question. Any suggestions on improving my ability to tell scary stories using TPRS? Hmm. I don't know about that. I think um, I don't do a lot of scary stories myself. It's not my style. Um, I tend to do more funny stories. I don't know. You, you, you might just have to watch. I'd say watch some old scary movies. Not, I mean, not like now. They're all just chopping people up. It's disgusting. But, um, you know, I, I mean, like watch some old scary movies maybe from the 1950s, the 1940s, right? Those sort of. And then you might be able to even just copy the plot, <laughs> you know, copy some of the basic story points from those um old movies or old TV shows and, and a lot of it's just acting it out. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not sure how you, if, but you know, the truth is it doesn't have to be scary. You could tell a scary story and maybe when you tell it, it's actually funny. That's okay too. Just make it entertaining. Antonio, I love your story way. God bless you forever. Thank you. That's very nice. Thank you. Oh, here's Vanya, checking in. A check-in from Vanya, our traveler, doing his gap year. Absolutely, I absolutely agree that schools are crap. <laughs> yes. By the way, I'm traveling around Poland while doing a gap year, as you know. Yes. And I start to notice that more and more parents don't want to send their children to school. Good. I think that's great because parents can dedicate a lot of time to homeschooling. I, yes, yes, yes. I also spoke with some students that finished school and they took a gap year. They said their parents realized the purpose of school and university. I was quite shocked by the fact homeschooling is becoming popular in Poland. I wish my parents knew that. That's great news. That's so good to hear. Wow, thank you, Vanya. First of all, great. Enjoy your trip around Poland, traveling around Poland. That's fantastic. I think it's just fantastic what you're doing, taking this year before going off to school and university and traveling around, and it's great. And I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that homeschooling is starting to become popular 
in Poland. Man, fantastic. You know, I'd say probably, from what I know, from what I know, it's probably the most popular in the United States. I mean, I might be wrong about this because I I don't know about the homeschooling movement in all different countries, but from from what I know, reading and and all that, it seems that America is where it really, I don't know if it started officially in America, but where it has really taken off and it's exploding. It's becoming very, very popular and very big in the United States. And, you know, people in the United States, parents, have fought political battles for years and years and years, decades, for homeschooling rights and fighting against the school systems. So, uh, it's, and now, as our schools in America become just a joke, a big joke, just a lot of, I mean, they're, Im- they're teaching disgusting things. I mean, they're teaching small children about about sex and like gay sex, teaching them when they're nine years old. It's just, it's disgusting what they're doing. They're promoting and pushing all this transgender stuff, you know, about uh, a man who thinks he's a woman is actually a woman and uh, it's disgusting what they're doing. They're doing this to these small children and the parents just send their kids to the school and let them do it. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. But anyway, the reaction against that, because the schools are such a joke, and also they're just a joke because they don't work, because the the standards are so low, you know, the the kids are not really learning well. It's just a, such a nightmare and a joke now, and they're pushing all this other crazy political stuff, and, and it's just insane in the United States. But as a reaction, because of that, parents, a lot of parents are just sick of it all, and they're just taking their kids out of the schools, and they're homeschooling. So... In that way, it, I almost celebrate all the horrible stuff happening in the U.S. school systems because they are, they're kind of killing themselves. The, the American school systems are killing themselves little by little by little. And I celebrate that because even before they were so crazy, even back when I was a kid and I had to go through the school system, everything John Taylor Gatto's talking about was still true back in the 1970s and the 1980s. It was all still true. It's just, it's, it's now, it's so crazy. It's so horrible. It's just, it's, 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 yeah, like I said, disgustingly horrible and bad and and purely evil now. But even when I was a kid, all this stuff was still true. So I'm very happy. Homeschooling's the way. You know, our, this, this system we have now, this factory system of education, it's not that old. If you look at human history, this way of teaching kids is recent. It started with the Industrial Revolution, okay? It started when uh, Mr. Ford started making cars in factories, right? Well, and then they just got the idea, well, we'll teach children just like, we'll treat them like cars in a factory. We have factories to make things, so we'll have a factory system of education, mass education for, in a factory system. So it goes back, it started with the Industrial Revolution right at the same time, and then grew and grew and grew and got more and more and more powerful. But before the Industrial Revolution, there, were more, there was more of an apprentice, master-apprentice system, right? Much more one-on-one type of education. So first, children learned from their parents or their family members. You know, sometimes maybe it was an uncle or an aunt, sometimes maybe a grandparent, but children learned in their home. They were, they, it wasn't schooling, it was education. They were at home education. And then from there, 
after they got old enough, then there was an apprentice system. So if they were going to become an artist, they would apprentice with an artist. They would go to a master artist and they would, well, basically they'd kind of work with that master artist and the master, and they would learn how to be an artist. I mean, this is what like Michelangelo, right? Michelangelo, how did Michelangelo learn to become such a great artist? Did he go to art school? Did he go to school and get all A's? in his art class and then did he get a master's in fine arts and then get a PhD in fine arts and that's how he learned to be a genius painter and sculptor? No, of course not. In fact, if Michelangelo went through the art school system today, he never, ever, never would have created the beautiful art that he did. His creativity would have been destroyed. How do we know this? Look at art today. It's does anyone think that the art today is anything close to the Renaissance, to Michelangelo and all of those great masters and geniuses? No, that was the peak of art. Now it's a joke again. So Michelangelo learned by working with a master artist as an apprentice. This apprentice system existed for centuries and was effective and that's why it existed for centuries because it's a mentoring system and we just threw it away to create these kind of factory education and unfortunately we're, we've, the results have been truly terrible um, here's a nice comment the education in Vietnam is really bad well don't worry it's bad everywhere the teachers force the students to learn crap knowledge. We have to learn so much without understanding. Another great point about schools. You're, we're, because again, in a factory system, you can't spend a long time with each child being creative, helping them understand the full knowledge and get real world experience with what they're learning. They're, they don't do that, no. It's just memorize, 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 take a test. Memorize, 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 take a test. Memorize, 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 take a test. Doesn't matter if you really understand it and you get zero, zero real world experience. And so therefore, how do the students know if they are learning something true or not? How do they know if it's true? They don't know. They just accept it all and memorize it because they never go out and test it in the real world. So it's a great way to program people's brains to be obedient, to just accept what they're told and never ask questions about it. That's another purpose of this system. But unfortunately, it's also why, well, I can, speaking from experience here, where you'll see somebody go off to university and they'll study four years and get a business degree and then they'll get out of school and they know nothing about business. They, they have, not only do they know nothing about business, they have a bunch of stupid, ridiculous ideas about business. They learn, they just memorized all the stuff in school. They got A's, top, top of their class, perfect scores on every test in business school. And they get out and they, they cannot do business. They have no idea how to start a business. They have no idea how to run a business. In fact, it's even worse. They, their head is filled with a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of theories and ideas that are actually wrong, that are 100% completely wrong. 
And then they get out and they, uh, and they tr- maybe they try to start a business and fail instantly. And then they're completely confused. Well, uh, I don't understand. They, they taught me this in school. And, and, and the worst part is they don't know how to learn. And they don't know how to learn. They're just used to everybody telling them what to do. So they try what they learned in school or something and it doesn't work. And then they just become paralyzed. Like they can't move. They just, uh, they don't, they don't know how you really learn in the real world. You gotta experiment, try something again, experiment, try again, experiment, try again. No. So they just, they just, they fail and then what do they do? They just stop, they just quit and they're done. Or even more common, they never start. They never start. They get out of business school and they start, they start trying to do their own business, for example. And they suddenly realize, they realize immediately before they even start, I don't know what I'm doing. How do I know what to do? Nothing I learned in school is helping me. And then they just, they get filled with fear and they never, ever start. That's what I see. And it's not just business school, it's everything. I had exactly the same problem. Like I went to social work school. Supposedly I was learning how to counsel people and help people with their psychological problems. I got out of school with a master's degree. I knew nothing, zero. In fact, worse than zero, I had a lot of stupid ideas that would not work. Unbelievable. Pretty sad. Sad, I, I, it's just sad when I think about it. It's, I don't know, if it's, it's, I, it's sad, it's, it's, we call it tragic comic, right? It's like, do you laugh or do you cry about it? <laughs> or you really think about it. It makes you want to cry, but I think the, the healthier way to deal with it is to laugh about it. It's just to laugh at the schools, laugh at the system, and do something else. Because if we, if we spend too much energy getting upset about it, it doesn't help anything. Yeah, so here's another comment, kind of summarizing what I said. Parents are the best teachers of of their own kids. They love their kids for no reason. That's right. They love their kids just because they're their kids. They they will love them always for just that reason. But school doesn't. That's right. The schools don't love your kids. No teacher loves your child, okay? They don't love your child. They might like your child. If you're lucky, they like your child. But no teacher loves your child. And many times... You know, because you change, te- your kid changes teachers every year, probably. So maybe one year you're lucky and the teacher really likes your child. But then, you know, the next year or the next year or the next year, they just might not care about your child at all. Maybe neutral. And at some point you might get a teacher who, and they just don't like your child for some reason. They just don't like the person, your child's personality. And then your poor child has to suffer for a whole year learning for someone who doesn't even like them. Quite sad. Uh, someone's asking, was I homeschooled? Mabao, uh, where, where did you study at home? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Believe me, I know the school system very, very, very well. Because, uh, of course, you know, I did all my childhood in schools and then I uh, man I did too, I did too much school 
you know, I believed a lot of the, the lies and the nonsense and it took me a while to figure it out. And then I was a teacher in schools. I never taught in a public school. I did teach in a university, a couple of universities though. So I saw the schools from both sides and every single thing, I agree with everything John Taylor Gatto says. In fact, I'm probably much stronger than him. He's, he's a little nicer about it in some ways than I am. I'm pretty strong about it. But I, I don't believe in lying about it. We shouldn't lie about it. It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I don't, it's not that I hate the teacher. Some people get upset when I talk like this so directly, but, and think, well, but I'm a teacher and I'm nice. Yes, I know. I was a teacher too. And I was a nice guy. John Taylor got was a nice guy. Okay. I was in the school system. I was nice. I liked my students, but I didn't love them. I didn't love them like my own children. And it was a job. And more importantly, I was in a system and I had to follow the rules of that system or I got fired. And you know, my final job in a university, I did get fired because I was sick of the rules. I was sick of their system. I saw how terrible it was. I saw that I was wasting so much time that I was not getting results for the kids, the college kids. And so I started to, I did, I just started to teach in a completely different way. Not exactly like Effortless English, but starting kind of the beginning of Effortless English. And my reward for doing that and caring so much about my kids was that I got fired. Not, well, I quit, but I was, I quit because I was going to be fired. Okay. <laughs> this is called preemptive quitting. It means you quitting before they fire you. We, we, I got the, the boss, they called me into the office and three of them were yelling at me and... Uh, they said, okay, you have to change this or else you're, we're going to fire you. And I said, I thought about it. I said, okay, I quit. <laughs> so technically I was not fired, but I would have been. So see, this is the point. So when, when people say, oh, but I'm nice. It's like, I don't care. It doesn't matter if you're nice. It does just what Don Taylor Gatto said. It does not matter if you're nice. It doesn't matter because you have, if you want to keep your job as a teacher, you have to follow their rules. If you don't follow their rules, they will get rid of you. So nice or not, it doesn't matter. The system is bad. This is why, by the way, especially now, most teachers who really, really, really care and they're so full of, you know, excitement and enthusiasm to teach and they care so deeply about the kids, those people usually do not, they don't last long. They usually end up quitting pretty quickly after several years. They quit or they become bitter and angry. <laughs> this is what I've seen. The ones who really, really, really do care after several years, they're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I can't be part of this system. Or a few others, they start off caring, but then after several years in the system, they become kind of hard and bitter and they just follow the rules. And that's also not good. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is what Francois is kind of saying. This is what my point. In Brazil, the schools try to teach children about policy, right? Politics. This is exactly what they're doing in America, what I was talking about before, especially social policy. 
social engineering. And it's, it's in, in America, and I, I'm guessing in Brazil, it's probably very, very left-wing, almost communist type, you know, Marxist, communist, Trotskyite. If you remember, um, was it Squeal? What was his name? Snowball. Snowball in Animal Farm was Trotsky, right? He represented Trotsky. So Trotsky's sort of um, philosophy is very popular in American schools, among American schools and administrators, the people who control the school systems are pushing a Trotskyite, a kind of communist ideology. In my opinion, it's evil. And it's certainly not something, you know, I guess if you're, you are a communist Trotskyite, you're, you'd be happy about your child learning that stuff, but most people are not. And so they're forcing this stuff on kids and they're teaching an idea and a policy and politics that the parents don't agree with. So you can see why it starts to create a separation between parents and children, because the kids are growing up getting all this political stuff and social ideas and, and just other values and immorality, in my opinion. And the parents have very different beliefs. And this is why they get to teenagers and suddenly they're fighting, fighting, fighting all the time. And the, the, the kids are rebel against the parents. Right? Say, ah, oh, the parents, ah, oh, they're so conservative, they're so terrible. Where did the kid get these ideas? I mean, it doesn't just magically happen. It's not because they're young. This is the lie. It's just because they're young. No, it's not. It's from 15, 16, 17 years of being, having this stuff taught to them and pushed into their heads by the school systems. So, you know, that's the thing. It's you don't control it. This is the point. You don't control it. So it doesn't matter if you what your political beliefs are. The point is that you have no idea if the teacher shares your beliefs, and you certainly have no idea if the school system does. And probably in a lot of areas they don't. A lot of areas they are teaching something that you actually don't value, that you don't believe, that you think is not good. And yet your child, if you send them to the schools, your child is going to be programmed with that anyway from a very young age. And this is going to create problems between you and your child when you, later on. And they're gonna grow up with someone else's values and not yours. It's not good, man, it's not good. Okay, Lucia, hi teacher, greetings from Venice, Italy. Oh, Venice, beautiful city. Uh, you're great. Just keep acting like this. A bunch of thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so this is a, a comment, but I, I don't agree with it. Surely we have we must observe the school before sending. It's not going to help. If you think that just going and watching a class is going to help you, forget it. It's not. I mean, when you're observing, do you think the teacher is going to do something bad when you're watching? Of course not. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They do those little classes where the parents come and watch. The teacher's being perfect at that time because the parents are watching. It's not the normal class. Anytime you're watching, the teacher changes their behavior. So, it, it's, it's not enough. It's just like job interviews, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you, from a, as an employer, someone who has a business, people come in a job interview, 
Do they tell you the truth? No, they make themselves sound wonderful. If let's say, you know, someone comes and they're they want to, they want a job from you and you're interviewing them and you say, you know, what is your weakness? Do they say, well, actually, you know, I'm lazy and I steal money. Of course they don't say that, even if it's true. They don't say that. They say, oh, well, I work hard, and, right? This is exactly what happens to. I mean, come on, we have to be real about human behavior, right? Wow, so this is depressing, this comment, Mayans. Hi, Mayans, Mayans uh, again. Mayans, I'm safe from elementary school to university. They're all craps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're saying what I'm really thinking. I'm trying, believe me, I'm actually holding back right now. Uh, the system and all responsible are crap. Oh, I'm being, I'm changing it to a polite word. Uh, especially in the third world countries, it's worse than in Europe or the U.S. So in the developing world, quote, well, that's really sad because let me tell you, in Europe and the U.S., it's freaking horrible. So if it's worse than other countries, if it's worse than America, that's really scary. Because it's terrible in America. I don't, I don't know what they tell you in your country, but I'll tell you the truth. The education system in America is terrible. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Now, here's the good news, a little good news. Because another reaction that's happening uh, because of this terrible school system in America, you know, one good thing about America, uh, you know, all countries have their problems and my country has its share of problems, of course. But there's some things I quite like about my country. And one of it, one of them is this sort of entrepreneurial spirit, this spirit of solving problems and just, uh, and not trusting the government and not trusting what it, people tell you and just doing things your own way. And I like that about the United States. And so when bad things like this happen and get really terrible, it's quite common in the United States for there to be a reaction against it. And sort of of people independently doing something completely different. So I mentioned homeschooling is a very strong reaction in the United States against all this craziness and all this terrible stuff happening in the school systems. So that's fantastic. And, and homeschooling is growing stronger and stronger and stronger in the United States, more and more and more. Bigger. I just read an article about this recently in uh, the state of North Carolina, how homeschooling is growing super fast. And it's growing fast everywhere in the states. That's one cool thing. Another cool thing that's growing fast in America is that uh, more and more employee employers, companies, especially in the tech area, are not asking for college degrees. They don't care about it. They're, they're starting to realize, especially smaller companies and middle-sized companies, they're starting to realize that these college degrees are a waste of time and useless, and they, they don't care. So you can, if you can, as long as you can code, meaning you can program, they don't care if you have a college degree or not. Can you do it or not? That's, they just care about the skill, which is fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Another common thing is that, that online schools are growing very fast, online colleges and universities. So let's say there's something, you know, I don't know, you're, you're in some job where you really do need a college degree. They're still asking for a college degree. Well, you can get one 
very, very, very cheaply online. And it's it's the same education. In fact, in many ways, many online programs are actually much better, much better than going to the schools and the classes. It's a better education because it's more independent. It's a little more custom. You have a little more freedom. Um, and it's much cheaper. So that's another good development that's happening in the United States. And the, the, these online programs are exploding. They're going, it's becoming super popular for the same reason. And another thing is the freelancing market, the freelancing jobs where people are becoming independent workers. It's not quite like owning a business, right? Because they don't, they're not opening big businesses, but they're just, you know, one individual and they're not working for a company. They just get on, there's lots of these websites, freelancer websites. I use them. Like one, one very general one is called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. Dot com. But they're also uh, freelancer, you know, independent worker websites for specific industries, like for computer programming or for design or whatever. And so people like me who have small businesses or even larger businesses, if they have a project, they go to the website, they enter the project, and then they hire someone from the web- website. And I'm telling you, because I do it, I do it a lot. I, n- I never even look at education. I never even look at whether they got a degree or what they're, where they went to school. I don't care. I just look at what are their skills. Can they do it? And what the cool thing about these kind of jobs is they have uh, portfolios, what's called a portfolio. Another thing that's happening in America that's becoming quite big and popular is that instead of just resumes where you just list your job experience, you list your education. They're also doing portfolios. The portfolios are samples of your work, a sample of your work, which is, again, as a business person, that's what I want to see. I don't care about a college degree. I Zero, I don't care. I really don't care even about your job experience so much. That's more important. But what I really, really want to know is, are you good? Are you good? And will you do the job well? And that's why I, if I can see samples of work, then that is the best. And that's what I usually do. So when I hire someone for a project, I just want to see, well, what did you do before? Show me something you've done before. Show me work you've done before. And then I look at it and I compare and I say, well, oh, I like this, this person's work. This guy does good work. I like what he did. So I'm going to hire him. And see, that's great because now we're getting away. We're getting, it's almost circling back again to the kind of master apprentice system. It's circling back to having useful skills and show, and showing your work instead of all this just nonsense with just paper stuff. So I, I think often these kind of things will often start in the United States, right? In the beginning, they'll start in the United States, but then they will start to spread around the world. That's the good news. So... I think all of this is very good for long-term, for homeschooling, long-term, for real education, for independent learning, all of those things. I think everything's moving in the, in the right direction because the school systems are destroying themselves. The more they teach politics, the more parents leave. The more they're, they try to control the kids and give them drugs to control them, the more parents leave. The more they get just terrible and terrible and terrible results, the more parents leave. So the schools are killing themselves. It's kind of a slow suicide, but it is happening. And that's good.
Hey, Sukar, today's uh, asking about the topic of today's show. The today's show is about uh, homeschooling and education. Yes. Yeah, so here's some uh, uh, Dalal. Dalal again. Parents' role is so important, they can advise their children to develop skills in many ways, like workshops, internet, etc. Well, yeah, well, exactly. And more than that, even. I mean, at a young age, at a young age, of course, as the parent, you just teach them directly. You're teaching them. You're, you have to guide them and, you know, teach them. But the good news is, you know, teaching, for example, teaching reading, at least in English, <laughs> maybe Japanese and Chinese are a little harder, but um, let's say teaching a, a, an alphabet language, teaching reading is not that difficult. Pretty easy skill to teach, the, big, the basics of it. You know, it takes a while. You got to be a little patient, but it's not that big a deal. And once they're reading, toom, the learning just goes so fast because then once your child can read independently, then they just start bringing in the knowledge, right? Then, then a lot of what you're doing is just helping them choose books. And, you know, because you're their parent and the leader, of course, you decide maybe that certain things are important. You want them to learn certain values. You want them to read certain books. You want them to understand and uh, learn certain ideas and maybe certain skills. So you do all that. But the, the good news is with homeschooling is that as they get older, they become more and more and more independent. Until, like what Dalal's saying, if you do a good job as a homeschooling parent, even if you do just an so-so job, uh, by the time they start getting their teenage years, they should be very independent in their own learning which is great training for life, by the way. Learning how to make their own decisions, learn independently, find knowledge themselves. Those are so important for success and happiness in later life. And at that time, as they're getting more and more independent, yeah, then you can start, you can start helping them find workshops and, and you can help them find mentors and internships where they're and even like that almost master apprentice type system there's so many possibilities and this is a great thing is you can be creative and you can as your child gets older of course you can ask them too right and so you can let's say if you have three children your homeschooling will not be exactly the same for each child because each child will have their own personality each child will have their own strong points and weak points each child will have their own interests and then they'll be enthusiastic about certain things. And so you can, you know, help them find the knowledge, even if you don't have it, you can sort of together. And see, this is what's great because it creates such a stronger connection between parents and children because you're working together. You're their coach, you're their mentor, you're their partner in learning. You're a team together. When you send them off to school, you become... Like, you know, you're like separate. There's this like wall. The school creates this wall between you. Whereas when you're homeschooling, every day you're working together, learning together. Back and forth. So it's not just you as the boss, you know, you must do this. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, a, it's a back and forth. And you know your child better than anyone else. So that you, you're, you're just naturally, you don't have to get stressed about it. You're going to naturally give them a much, much, much better education. And it will help your relationship with them too, which is also fantastic. So many benefits. So that when they're in high school age, you know, they're not in high school, they're learning at home. But when they're teenagers, instead of, you know, the typical rebellion, and, ah, you know, there, there's a very strong chance that you're going to have 
still a very good close connection with them and that will continue into adulthood which is wonderful which is the natural thing is what you what you should have this sort of teenage rebellion and the teenagers breaking away from their parents of course they have to be independent but i mean emotionally breaking away and almost not liking their parents anymore and that's not natural that's not good i'm all School taught us the fear of questions and of low grades. Yeah, the whole grade thing is ridiculous, too. I agree with you. Home education is the solution. But the application will need the risk of parents. You are correct. The parents have to do it. Most kids can't do this themselves. Although, you know, some very strong-willed kids, you know, with a strong mind, they can sort of demand it from their parents. <laughs> but and usually this is older children, right? Maybe when they're getting in the middle school and they can just say, I want to learn at home. I want, And maybe they can just push their parents to do it. But that's not the normal situation. The normal situation is that the, the one or both of the parents have to make this decision and just try it. And just like with everything else I teach you guys and talk about, <clears throat> don't just believe me. All I'm saying is try it. Try it and see. Right? You've, I, I, you've, you've done the school thing. You know exactly what that's like. You did it yourself, probably. So you already know what that's like, but um, you have no idea what the homeschooling is like. You're, getting, you're hearing from me, and then maybe you have some other fears, and then the school system will try to put some fears into you, and other people will. So how do you know which one's correct? You just try it. Try it. Homeschool your kid for one year. See what happens. Believe me, the following year, if you want to, you can put them back in the school. But I think after the end of a year of homeschooling, you're probably not going to want to do that. You're going to get to the end of that one year and say, ooh, this is fantastic. So just try it, you know? That's, that's how you learn things in life. Um, mine's again with an interesting question about money. And... Uh, what about those who pay a lot of money to study in the UK or the US or some foreign country? Aren't they crazy? Aren't they, aren't they wasting a lot of money? I don't understand. I, I think you're right. I think it's a waste of money. Because there's so, so many cheaper ways to do that. Um, like if you're just doing it for a language, then you could... Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the easy way to do it, you could probably try to get some kind of little work. Well, I'll tell you one, one that I know for sure. You could, for example, get a uh, uh, work, what's it called? Uh, it's basically like a student, um, a youth work visa. So it's basically young people. And by young, I think it means under 30. You can get a, a certain visa. And then you could go off to Australia. I, I don't know if America, America might not have this, but Australia does. So you could go off to Australia. And I can't remember, six months or a year. It's decent amount of time. And instead of paying, you get paid. You go there and get a job. Probably not a great job, but you may be working in a restaurant or something. But then, you know, every day you're using English in that job. So that's going to help your English. And then you're going to meet other people who are working there. And then you could just join some clubs, join some activities to meet people, make friends with Australian people. Your English, you're going to get lots and lots and lots of great practice with your English, improve your English a lot. And uh, it'll be cheap or, or you might even make a little money. That's a much better way to do it, right? Instead of going and paying 
you know, some programs are very expensive. Some of them are super expensive. And I'll tell you, you know, a lot of, uh, like when I was teaching in San Francisco, I taught at a program and uh, foreign students would come there. But um, I don't know. I think the sad thing is that some of them would come there and then they wouldn't, uh, I, I don't know really, I think they're being forced to be there by their parents or something. They seem like they didn't want to be there. So it's a, you know, you, you just have to be creative and you can find things, you can find ways to do what you want to do, get, learn what you want to learn without spending huge amounts of money, you know, a little bit, but you don't have to spend thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. It's not necessary. Hard to do without certificates. Um, you know, again, I can't speak to every single country, so I don't, I don't know all the different systems. In the United States, look, homeschooling is, uh, you can easily go to a university, even if you're homeschooled from kindergarten, you know, your whole life, you're homeschooled. It's no problem at all. Easy still to get into a university. You just take, you take a, a test. It's called the GED. It's a, like the high school test. It's an easy test, pretty easy. And boom, you get a piece of paper. I pass this. I have a high school education. Done. So not necessary. For universities, you know, I need a certificate. You know, I need a de degree. Depends on what you're doing. Some are kind of, you know, to be a doc, a medical doctor, there are so many laws and regulations about that, that, yeah, you got to go to medical school and get that. Of course you do. But you, you still could be homeschooled until then, until medical school. You could do homeschooling up until university, and then you might have to go into the system. So, of course, you just have to make those decisions. But in a lot of areas, you don't need a certificate. Don't, you need a diploma. You don't. Uh, some people asking me to raise the sound. Okay, I'm raising it up. Okay. <laughs> Here's an example. I have a small brother, Mr. AJ. He did everything. He just didn't want to go to school. He changed schools three times. He bothered all of my family. Yeah, smart kid. Yeah, maybe he's trying to tell you guys something. He hates school. You should listen to him. Listen to him. Teach him at home. He'll do better. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're asking, Diwan. Um, Diwan says, I think mother language, native language, is uh, so important for learning other languages. It's just important in general, of course. So, you know, you, you make sure your child learns their native language. That's the most important language for them. Yes, it is. Uh, 100%. Yes. And then, you know, of course, you can teach other languages. You can even have bilingual children who grow up learning two languages. But, yeah, if, yeah, you don't, don't neglect. Don't neglect your native language for sure. What is the most? Here's Benham. Good question. What is the most important thing to be successful in general? Well, well, first, 
it's not just one thing. So this is why it's hard to answer this question because I think anyone who is successful in anything will tell you it's not just one thing. If it was just one thing, it would be a lot easier to succeed in things. But so take that out. <laughs> okay. So understanding that if we had to rank though, if you've got several things that are important, what would I put at the top? I don't know, but I would say uh, it would, my top two or three would be actually what Robert Kiyosaki was talking about in yesterday's lesson. Courage, courage, the ability to overcome fear, to take action, even when you're afraid, to take action, even when other people are criticizing you, to take action, even when everyone else is doing something different and everyone's telling you you're crazy, to take action and overcome fear, courage, courage, one of the top things. Another one, top one would be, I'll, I'll give you two. I can't give you one <laughs> because just courage is not enough. <laughs> so the second one would be persistence, persistence. That means not quitting. So you got to take action, but then you got to keep taking action. That's the really hard part, right? Just taking action one time is not enough because you take action one time, something happens. You get a result that you like or a result that you don't like, but either way, something happens and then what? Then you have to learn and keep going. And so, you know, I guess another, the third one would be the ability to learn, to keep learning, never stop learning. So I just gave you three. Which one of those is top? I don't know, because you really need all of them. Okay. Maybe a couple more and then time to go. I said it was going to be a short show and it's not. I changed my mind, I guess. Okay, I'll, I'll smile with a follow-up. We can work without certificate, yep, but not in a better job like me. I haven't, because I work in a library. Well, again, it depends on your area that you want to work in. I mean, you know, the, the best example of all where you don't need any job certificate, you don't need any degree, is to start your own business. That's the best example of all. It's also one of the best ways to become rich, to be successful, to have a huge amount of freedom, and to have a really fun and interesting life, to start your own business. So, there you go. Everything Robert Kiyosaki is teaching us does not require any kind of certificate. You can be a great investor with, with no advanced education. You could be homeschooled. You could never go to college and become a great investor. And we have many, many, many examples in history, in the past and now, of great investors who are super rich, super successful, never went to college. And you can also be a great entrepreneur. You can start a business and grow it. And it can be fantastic. Same thing. Steve Jobs being one of the best examples of that. But there are many, 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 many examples. So if you, if instead of being an employee where you're kind of a wage slave, depending on someone else, if you will go forward and start your own business or become an investor or start buying assets, doing the things Robert Kiyosaki is teaching us, then you don't depend on the school system anymore. You're also not a slave to the school system. You no longer have to worry about, I have this piece of paper so I can get this job. 
You create your own job. Freelancers are doing this too now. They create their own jobs. So it's only if you put yourself in a little prison that you must have these pieces of paper. When you break out of that prison, you don't need that paper anymore. Look, I have three degrees, okay? I have three college degrees, a bachelor's and two masters. I don't care. I don't even know where they are. They're in a closet somewhere. I don't, right? I mean, I, I could just throw them away. They're useless to me now because I've broken out of that system. I don't, I don't care. Of course, yes, when I was younger, I was kind of a slave to that system. I thought I had to be an employee, right? And to get a job, I had to have that piece of paper. And now I know it's not true. But you have to be brave, right? You have to be courageous. You have to be persistent. And you have to learn. You have to be willing to learn from the real world, from real world results. When you get those three things going, then all that stuff they tell you, you realize it's not true. All right, I think it's time to go. Okay, I'm going to answer this last question just because uh, it's a question I'm getting constantly. How to get your podcasts. Okay, I'm going to teach you again because it seems like a lot of people are still only watching on video. A lot of people are listening to this on audio and they already know this, so my apologies for repeating it, but uh, we still have a lot of people who are only doing the video show. And so let me show you how to do it. Okay, step one, get a podcasting app. How do I do that? You ask, I'll show you. You go into little Google here, or your, I use DuckDuckGo. You do a search, podcasting app. Podcast addict is the first one on my list on my uh, search. Great, Podcast Attic is a good app. A lot of people use it for getting a podcast. Boom, easy. And there's a, here's an article, 10 best podcast apps for Android. Excellent, let's click that article. What do they tell us? What are they recommended? Let's see. CastBox, that's a good one. A lot of people use CastBox. That's a good app. It's also free. One called Dog Catcher, never heard of that one, but sure it's fine. Google Play Music. My podcast is on that app also. Google Play Music. Get that. Pocket Casts. I know some people use that. Podcast Addict again. Podcast Go. Stitcher Radio. Sound, uh, Spotify. Tune In. There you go. Simple, simple, simple. That's step one. So choose one. Let's say tune in. I recommend that's a good one. Tune in. What do you do? Here's a link right here. Download on Google Play. Okay. Click that. There it is. Google Play. Tune in. So you just you just download it. There's a button here that says install. You click it. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to put this on my computer. But you just click it. Boom. It goes onto your phone. It goes onto your computer. It goes onto your tablet. Whatever. What's the next step? Well, the next step is inside the app, you open the app, open the app up, and in the app, you will see a search bar, a search area. So in the search area, what do you type? You know what to type. You type effortless English podcast, effortless English podcast. Put that in the search on the app, your podcast app, any podcast app. You will search, and guess what will happen? Boom, you'll see my 
podcast. You'll see my logo. It's white and red. I'm doing like, ah, I look like I'm jumping and shouting on the picture on my podcast. So you'll see that. You'll see my podcast app. You click it and you'll see a button or something for subscribe. Subscribe. Just click it or tap it on your phone. Subscribe. Subscribe to my podcasting app. After that, you nothing is necessary. After that, automatically, you will get every new show. Every new show will go to the podcasting app. Every one of my videos will go to the podcasting app. Just the sound. I don't, I don't put the uh, video on my podcasting app, but the sound. So you can listen, just listen to it. But I also do a lot of extra shows that are only audio, no video at all, only audio. You get those two automatically. Every time I add a new show, boom, like, I don't know, about 10 minutes later, it goes to all of those podcasting apps. That's how you do it. It's really easy. So get my podcast on one of these podcasting apps, any of them. So you're not missing. Don't miss half of my show. Half of my show is only audio. Don't miss it. Get one of these podcast apps. Search for Effortless English Podcast. Subscribe to the Effortless English Podcast. That's it. All right. Lots of love to you. It's been nice talking to you on this Sunday. Hope you're having a good weekend. I'll be back again tomorrow. Bye for now.